Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. Heel Squad, it's Kelsey. Embracing change, pivoting, it is not for the weak. It is not easy, but we all have to do it. So let's hear from Apollo Ono on how we can do it better. There's no proper way to do it, but he does have some incredible tips, tricks, techniques to help us get through some hard times and some times where we might need to pivot. So take those notes. Let's learn to embrace change and roll with the punches, go with the flow. We got this, enjoy, and oh, if you haven't yet, Leave that five-star review and rating. You know it means the world to us, and it really, really helps us. Thank you, Heel Squad. We love you. Enjoy the show. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiejis, what do you have? 
I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T H E O U A I dot com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T H E O U A I dot com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's our goal here every single day. Our quote of the day. The journey of a thousand miles starts from beneath your feet. Lao Tzu. Thank you, Lao. Or we have another one by our guest. <laughs> <laughs> I love when Kelsey says and and then highlights it. Yes. We've been conditioned to think about our identity in terms of what's printed on our business cards, what we do instead of who we are. And that is from Apollo Ono. We're going to be chatting with him today about his new book, Hard Pivot. Um, I am very excited because I didn't know what to expect. And I was loving this book. I think this book is really, really great for anybody who is down and out and is maybe in the midst of change. They didn't want to happen necessarily, but now they're in it and they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I related a lot to him, especially with that quote. Um, once I wasn't doing the daily grind on TV anymore. And people would ask me like, what's going on? And I could tell if I didn't see anything like, oh, I'm on this, I'm on that. Maybe I wasn't going to be important enough for them or whatever. And so I really held strong and just kept saying, oh, I'm doing great. How are you? Or just busy, you know, hustling. I just say something short rather than feel like I need to give them the laundry list of things I'm working on because I wanted them to appreciate me for who I was, not what I did. I was in that transition. And only when you've been in that transition, I think, do you see that and are, you know, can be really aware of it because otherwise you're in that hamster wheel where everyone's like, Oh my God, I'm working on this. I'm working on that. When you stop and you realize that your identity doesn't have to be attached to what you do. Um, your identity is really who you are and what makes you tick and, and all of that, then things kind of change for you. And so I really connected with this book. And I think that anybody who is like, you know, he talks about in here, maybe you lost a job, maybe you just got divorced, whatever it is, when that kind of identity shift is happening and that transformation or, you know, you're at the bottom of the pit and you don't know how to pull yourself up because you don't know what to do. What am I good at? You know, as he said, I think a robot took your job or the pandemic took your, your job. What do you do when you've only done one thing forever? Get this book. It's a really quick read and it's um, super, super helpful um, and filled with a lot of really great tips. I love lists. He clearly loves lists too. <laughs> so um, I was obsessed. I was sad that I was reading it by my bedside without my pen. For some reason, 
That's my the worst. Pens by my bedside have all disappeared. And so I was like, huh. so I'm earmarking the pages and I'm like, okay, I have to remember this tomorrow. <laughs> As Kevin would say, um, you roasted them, salted them and ate them. Yes. That's what he says almost every RGF. Well, he's being <laughs> PG with you guys. For me, he'd be like, you put it in your butt? Like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's yeah. the worst. But no, it's a really good book. And you know what? I was saying this to Maria. I always find it fascinating to get to study like inside an athlete's brain, especially someone like him who's still the most decorated like Winter Olympian in his in his games. I just find that that's so fascinating when you're so young mm-hmm. and so successful at such like this high level. I mean, he left skating at 27. It's like, what? Did he have in this realm that helped him in this realm? I don't know. I just, I'm excited to talk to him. He was younger than you. Yeah. Yeah. Which than is me? crazy. It's, He'd already lived such a life. Right. Um, it's fascinating. Well, let's get into this actually. So Apollo is the most decorated U.S. winter Olympian of all time. He's earned eight Olympic medals in speed skating. But he isn't here to teach us today how to do that, though that could be fun. (laughs) Apollo pivoted his life after skating into cross-industry entrepreneurship broadcasting and has become a New York Times bestselling author, hopefully again with this one. He continually adapts his performance mindset and harnesses his experience to educate and inspire others. Heel Squad, this is going to be a really interesting conversation. I'm excited for you guys to get to know Apollo Ono. Hello. Hi, Maria. How are you? I'm good. How are you, friend? It's good to see you. Good to see you. Where are you coming to us from? Um, I just got back to Miami. I was in LA for about 10 days. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we could so have done this in person. We should have done this in person. Kelsey's yeah. like, we couldn't. <laughs> Kelsey has the unfortunate job of scheduling and it's not fun for her. <laughs> um, well, cool. It's fun. I love it. Miami. Um, that sounds a lot of fun right now, but, um, I was showing the girls funny enough. Um, one of our last interviews together, we were on the ice and they were dying. They're like, you can skate. I looked a little professional. Apollo. I don't know. He won't be able to see anything. I can pull Kenny. it up for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I looked professional with you. <laughs> Let me see. I'm gonna Pull a good clip, Kelsey. That does not look like it's going to be good, whatever I'm well, doing I, now. I, I, I look sw- like I'm about to fall. <laughs> I want to switch hey, wh- it. Where's, so- where's the professional uh, ice dancing filter? Yeah. There we go. Apollo, can you see this? <laughs> oh, nice. That's, um, yeah, I look remember that. that. Look at that. Wait, go wasn't, to the- this Michelle, wasn't this Michelle Kwan's family's ice rink? That's so random. I don't remember, but man, I, <laughs> look, I was a little impressive. Good job, Maria. <laughs> I'm dead. I should just be quiet and let Apollo say that. (laughs) Anyhow, um, it's been fun getting to chat with you over the years, but I have to say, um, as you have made this hard pivot in life, I made this hard pivot into my own show and talking about health and wellness and um, just kind of a whole life improvement show And so I really connected with the book and I think it's so, of course, up our alley here at Better Together. And I know that um, everyone listening is going to love this and benefit so much from this. Um, So I'm really glad you wrote this because I loved it. 
And I think it's really, really important for people, especially now where everyone's going through such hard times. I would love to know where you kind of got the inspo to do it. Obviously, I know the inspo comes from your life, but to actually go write a book about it. Yeah. And so two and a half years ago, um, kind of pre-pandemic, I was going through my own kind of, I would call like another reinvention phase or in like desire and need of having change, right? Had been doing multiple different things, had had different businesses and business partners. Um, and it just felt like there was this, there was something there that really required me to start thinking and talking about how to go about this, you know, in my kind of late thirties. And um, I started talking to some of my friends who were Olympic athletes and I started asking them and I hadn't spoken to some of them for like 10 plus years. Cause we all retire around the same time. And some of them on the outside through Instagram and Facebook and whatever, they looked like they were living like amazing lives. They looked like they were thriving. And I asked them, I was like, oh, it looks like you know, your family looks beautiful. Everything looks amazing. Like what a blessed life. And then a couple of my friends said like, oh, I've never been more lost than ever in my entire life. Ooh. And I was kind of blown away. Obviously, you know, what we display on social media typically is like the highlight reel of, you know, these chapters of our life. And so, you know, that started making me think around like a lot of people have really struggled with this kind of loss of identity mm-hmm. in search and forming of a new one. And then also this transition from one behavioral conditioning that all of us have had in our life to what our blueprint was, whether, you know, you're an actor, actress, musician, artist, businessman, businessman, whatever that might be. And then having to, by force or by choice, go into a new realm. And so there's a chapter in the book that I call the great divorce. And I think that all Olympic athletes go through some semblance of that first initial great divorce. And hopefully it's the last, but you know, it may not be. And that divorce is from their first true love and their thing that has taught them it has given them affirmations and kind of the approval that they are good enough, that they are um, celebrated and that they have purpose. <clears throat> but then when those guardrails go down, when you no longer have that of your coaches and your family and your friends and all those people, you start to think about what else am I good at? What else could I possibly do? What's important to me? And then do I have a place basically in this world? Like, do I feel like I can be enough? And so the inner psychological process that begins sometimes is really toxic and can be very negative and, and paralyzing. Um, but it also shows that it can be have new beginnings. And so <clears throat> during the pandemic, I finished this book and I realized that many people struggle with the same things that perhaps I did when I was transitioning, not only internally in the sport, when I was trying to reinvent, but also post-career and in search of what life was going to bring next. And um, the book was this thick before, I, I, you know, as you see, it's a very short and easy yeah. read like 95% of the book down. And for two reasons, one, it's going to be in kind of a series of similar philosophical views and discussions of other books that are coming down the pipeline in the vein, in the similar realm, kind of around personal development, growth, searching for purpose, et cetera. Um, and then the other part was that the average attention span has gone from 36 seconds down to like six and a half. Um, and so I wanted things that were concise, that were simple, but also simple meant it was going to be sustainable in behavioral change. And so we mm. all know how difficult behavioral change is, right? Because it's, we like to do what we do and we seek comfort and routine because that signals safety and safety means that we are secure. 
Um, but the greatest growth periods often happen in the harshest and most difficult times of our life. And those are often the most traumatic too, but they show us that we can persevere and do hard stuff and it doesn't make them less painful, but it just shows us that the path forward is, is, is pretty powerful. So that's the kind of intentionality behind the book is I, I open myself up Maria through just talking about all the things that I have talked about internally between those, these, you know, these two ears of mine. And sometimes they kept me in this prison right? The world's strongest prison. And other times they broke through the glass ceiling to this unbelievable amount of performance and progress um, and feeling like you have meaning. And the whole goal is to get people to have that deeper conversation, that self-acceptance, to start articulating what they want and desire from this life. And what do they believe this life wants and desires from them? And then making that into alignment in the same realm. So it's been a, it's been a wonderful process. So cool. I like the bite-sized idea because you're also offering the reader the opportunity to feel like they accomplished rather than having the super long book where you get through a quarter of it or half of it. And you're like, I I don't have time or whatever. It's almost like you're giving them those little wins. (laughs) If it's going to be a series, I think that's really smart. Um, you know, when it's funny, cause I feel like I've gone through a few of these moments and, and, and I'm just now realizing as I'm hearing you talk that I had another kind of identity shift when I lost my mom last year. And I remember when I was in my kitchen, I just would be like, well, what's my purpose now? I spent five years taking care of her, which mm. is a whole thing where you're like, you're just lost. When you, when you said lost, oh my God, oof, I can't even say without crying. I understood that feeling and I can see where you would feel like that as well. Um, But so many people have those moments in their lives, whether they get divorced and they were with somebody their whole life and, you know, maybe they think they're too old now and no one's going to want them or they've got kids and no one's going to want them or, you know, they don't want anybody else. They didn't, they wanted, you know, him or her. Um, As you said, maybe robots took your job or whatever it is we're all going to go through these moments in life. And as you said earlier, those painful kind of traumatic growth periods are when you can grow. And when great things do happen, you just got to go through the shit to get to the other side. And I feel like you offered so many really helpful tips for people um, in in here. And bef- But before we get to that, I want you to explain to people, you know, at 27, you decide you're going to walk away from the only thing that you knew and the thing that you were the greatest at. Um, and I love that you did it without pomp and circumstance. You didn't tell anybody. I was reading it. I was shocked. I'm like, oh, you're right. He didn't do anything. I didn't even know officially you did retire. You just kind of went off into the cornfields. (laughs) So what was that process like? So for anybody who hasn't gotten to see this and read this yet. Um, so the process from deciding, you know, amongst the voice in my head that I was done and I was going to officially hang my skates up um, was easy to do, right? I was, I was in, in its initiation. Yeah, this makes sense. I'm ready for the next phase in my life. I'm ready to go tackle whatever that was. I'm going to move to Los Angeles I'm going to go explore and stop saying no to everything, but start saying yes to everything. Didn't matter what it was, right? Do another thing on Dancing with the Stars, host like a TV game show. Doesn't matter 
How ridiculous? I just said yes, both in terms of business, in terms of opportunities, mm-hmm. because I just didn't know what I wanted. But did you but, decide to walk away? I couldn't tell if it was because you just didn't have it in you to go back through that rigmarole to compete again. I think that I could have made this last Olympic team. So I could have technically made the 2014 games, the 2018 games and the 2022 Olympic games. So I could have went to three more Olympic games. Physically, I have that ability. I still believe uh, to make that team. Even even though you haven't skated all this time. I mean, it would take me. Yes. Like there's risk of injury, but assuming I don't get injured and I have at least a year and a half of training, I do believe I could make those teams. I don't Uh know if I'll be competitive internationally and win medals at the Olympics, but I could be named part of the Olympic team. But that seemed like it was the, I don't want to say it's an easy path because the Olympics is not easy, but I knew that routine so well that I felt like I, it was easy for me. I understand what that roadmap looks like. Mm -hmm. I'd seen the map every single day for years. And there was a whole new area of my life that was completely unexplored, not only in terms of opportunities of career, but also I started to have much more inquisitive questioning around like, why am I here? What do I believe in? What else am I good at? What am I going to do when going in circles no longer is your purpose in life? And that was really scary because I did not know what I was good at. I had, Maria, I had no idea. Like I literally, when I was competing, I didn't care about anything in the world. All that I thought that was existing that was important was this path of the Olympic space. I lived in this like this tunnel vision life I just assumed that everybody watched the Olympics and especially the winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. And when I started to meet people that didn't, I was like, Oh, that's, that's weird. Oh wait, <laughs> there's a lot more people that don't watch the games, you know? And so like, I thought like selfishly, I was this like super important figure. And it took me, it took me a while to climb up off of that, like artificial pedestal and say like, sh- like, okay, what are you good at? Like wipe away the noise. And then like, what's just, what's important to you. And, and it was, it was really, really hard. And I would say that it didn't sink in for the first 12 months because I I kept myself so incredibly busy, but in the back of my head, there was that little voice that was kind of nagging and, and kind of poking away at me saying like, Hey, don't go too far away from the sport. You can always come back. Don't get too far out of shape this is where you belong. This is who your identity is. This is what you are. This is what we celebrate you for. Cause I hadn't been celebrated for anything else in my life. Right. And so I had not got that head nod of appreciation and affirmation from a job or from a career or from anything else outside of the realm of what it was on my bio. Mm-hmm. And that bio, what started to become to reality for me was that the bio was just a sum of some of those things, the actual attributes of how I got there, where those are the things that were inherently designed in my own special way that I could carry with me and transfer into other skill sets. I didn't have like a strong collegiate background, like academically. Okay. I went to school, but like, I just, I didn't pay attention. I didn't care. Yeah. You had a focus. I had a focus. And so, but I was literally, I was like 10 years late. And so even though I'm like, I'm turning 40 in May, I feel like I'm 30, even today, like my brain feels like it's like stunted. Well, because you're, you really were stunted because all you did was that one thing and you had that one lane you were in. So everything post is like you were a teenager at post Olympics. So you're just, 
yeah. like all these experiences. And, and it was, you know, there's a saying that like, sometimes you live as if you're going to be here forever. So you never really actually live in this moment of gratitude that life is actually quite finite. I mean, we have that with everything, with mm-hmm. our relationships, with our families, like it's natural byproduct of, of how we go, right? Our time dilation, we have a very challenging time as humans understanding that because these, these kind of mo- moments and seconds per day are gifted. And so I think during the pandemic, many of us started to see that silver lining and started to see like, okay, what's actually really important to me? Like, like, like let's outside of this, like FOPO fear of other people's opinions and FOMO. And I all loved this FOPO stuff. by the way. Yeah. yeah <laughs> We're going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, Mike, Michael Gervais is a, is a, Like he's just an incredible sports psychologist. He's actually in in California, in Southern California. Works with a lot of volleyball players and and surfers. And he 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 first introduced that to me like four and a half five years ago as we were talking about like how to live your most authentic self Mm -hmm. in a way that derives your greatest amount of strengths. And a, a part of that is not being afraid of what other people think. Right. And so like, for example, like in the entertainment industry, it's like really hard. Like you're, you're being told, no, you're not good enough. You're not good looking enough, whatever it might be all the time, Mm -hmm. but you have to maintain this idea to both adapt to the environment, but also operate and act as if you don't care what all these people think. Cause one per all takes is one person to say, I like what that person has. Mm -hmm. That's the dream. That's why people move to California. That's why people move to New York in search of these types of things. But oftentimes we live our life typically on this external belief of what society believes, or at least is signaling us to us what we should have, what we should wear, what we should look like, where we should be in life. It's all just kind of noise, right? Like most of us, like when we face real loss, um, and I'm so sorry to hear about your mom. I, I remember reading about that. And, um, thanks. I just wonder, like, you know, like during those moments when we are faced with these like really traumatic times and we're in real pain emotionally, um, we just, all that we want is to not feel that pain and just to have that moment back of normalcy. That's all that we actually want. And so humans and the way that we behave is so interesting because we take for granted those moments that we had prior. And it's not anyone's fault. This is just a byproduct of us going through this like cyclical moment of time. But anyway, the book is designed to like start this conversation off Mm -hmm. with like, hey, life is a gift. You've been granted this gift. Like live it, you know, be it. And of course, you're going to make tons of mistakes. Yes, you're going to feel stupid and less than, but you're going to have to accept some of these things and surrender to the outcomes, whatever they may be, even when you don't like what that resultant outcome is. And then only then can you start to move into an arena where you can start to make some changes and progress and then move away, right? Move, move beyond some of those things. So yeah, yeah that's, that's the intention of the book. If anybody's uh, watching on YouTube right now, if you're connecting with anything that we're talking about, write in the comments and let us know if you've made a hard pivot in your life, how you got through that time. Um, I have to ask like when, when your whole life from, I mean, how old were you when you started skating? Four, I started five. like roller skating when I was like nine. Okay. And just to give you like a brief background on my, and it's in the book, but like my dad used to wake me up when I was 12 years old. Cause I, I joined like the local roller skating rink and he used to wake me up at three 30, four 30 in the morning and take me to these empty school and chart and church parking lots and strap a miner's light to my helmet and make me skate around at the age so of 12. Good. 
so like that's how this like ideation began of like discipline, hard work, sacrifice, doing the work. You need to do your own King Richard. Yeah, I, I so people have told me that like this yeah. uh, this documentary is incredible. You I mean, haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen oh it. Yet. I know. I know. Oh my that's god, it. Apollo! You have to watch it immediately after this show. You and your dad need to make one. <laughs> Venus is going to kill me when uh, when she knows because she had. We, I had seen her like um, a few months ago in New York, and we were talking about this. That's so but, funny. Uh, so he yeah, would take I, you. I, anyway, so he would take me, and 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 like. The beautiful thing is it showed me this incredible depth of like hard work and ethics and, and also my dad of like, just like being so militant, but also it, it created some other like ancillary, like internal toxic behavior for myself, where I started to live out of a fear of failure or a fear of disappointment. And that was, that, that was a huge driving force in my life throughout my entire career. So like a lot of people that, you know, maybe they love winning, but a lot of people, they're just so afraid of losing. Mm. That's why they actually put in the work so much. Cause it's so psychologically difficult to deal with the fact that you showed up fully and it wasn't enough. <sighs> and so, um, you know, we, we start to like self-sabotage because of that psychology, right? Because, you know, subconsciously we're like, well, I didn't give hundred percent or if I really wanted to, I could look like that or I could have that. It's always this like crutch almost. And that is not the way you want to operate. You want to operate in this realm where, yeah, you gave it your best and it fell short. That's okay. But it won you all the medals. So how can you say don't do it that way? And I, and the other thing I loved in here that you talked about is that you used your rage and you used all these other sides of you to help you win us, obviously the fear of failure too. So is it that there's a place for it and then, but you can't make that your all the time? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. And, and as am I. So, Or is it what got you to Egypt won't get you to the promised land? I, th I think it's, it's like this. If you demand um, extreme performance, it's going to require extreme effort and dedication. Extreme, like in every essence, if you look up that word, what is extreme? It means outsized, above and beyond. Um, and people will think that you're weird or you're angry or you're quiet. And every great athlete has had moments where they were greatly misunderstood mm -hmm. and businessmen and businesswomen, people all over the planet, great visionaries because they were so obsessive. Now, the that is a very powerful lever to lean on. Whatever that trauma, micro trauma, instance, situation that's happened in your life is probably going to manifest itself in various ways as you grow and experience the various other chapters of your life. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with using that as a lever. If it's a chip on the shoulder, somebody who's so financially wealthy, but they can't stop grinding because they feel like it's not good enough. Now, there's certain times where I want to be very wary because in my life, if I had not had those extreme circumstances or those extreme situations with my father, I probably would have not been able to go to that degree of training and psychology in order to do well. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if it was the most healthy. And I'll give you an example. There was times when I would like go and win a world cup competition. And then, you know, it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday competition. And then Sunday night, we all gather as all the teams from all the countries go to this banquet. And we have another medal ceremony. Everyone's eating at their respective tables and we all kind of mingle and hang out. But everyone typically goes out to a bar after and like relaxes, especially if it's a world championships and we're not going to see each other for like the next six months. Okay. 
I would like leave that, leave that table and like go back to the room, pack my bags and start watching skating tapes after I just won a competition without celebrating, without being present, because I was so afraid that what I had just done in the past wasn't good enough, that it also was not going to be good enough tomorrow. And so it was just chasing. Now there's beauty in that, of course, but I, what I'm saying is, um, you know, it's, it's hard to live, you know, in this weird limbo where you're just not present, you're thinking yeah. about the past yep. and then you're, you know, in the future. So I understand. I feel like I've had this conversation in Hollywood with a lot of people where, we are so chasing the next thing that we're not in the moment. When I made New York Times bestseller list, it was like, oh my God, we were in the drive-through lane at McDonald's and we <laughs> found out and Kevin crashed the car into the pole and we're screaming and because they said, don't even think about it. Like, this is so hard. It's not going to happen. We don't want you to set your high, hopes too high. Anyway, and then they had to tell me I made number three in the hardest category, which was advice. Anyhow, Ooh, that's awesome. we crashed our car and I was like, oh my God, amazing. Okay, we got to get to our interview. I was interviewing um, oh, John Sally at my house. And so we got the food, we ran, we did the interview. And then from there, life just kept going. Yeah. Didn't get to even enjoy that, but that was everything. Every time something amazing happened, it was like, Whoa, okay, next got to go. Like, okay. And it was the same idea, right? Without maybe being conscious of it. It's like, you got to keep going. What's next? What's next? What's next? And I think it is, I think it's for that moment in time. And then we're evolving because now there are deeper, bigger questions in life. And we are so much more than our accolades and awards. But where I was going with it that I'm wondering is when it's so, when achieving is so entrenched in your life from such a young age, can you get your self-worth from things outside of medals? Like how do you give yourself that pat on the back um, when other people aren't because they don't see the value of it necessarily. Yep. Where there's no more coaches and there's no more like great lap times. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like for me, you um, do dancing with the stars, you get your perfect dance. Yes. Okay. I got all that, you know, you get all that thing, but no one's seeing behind the scenes that we just went up 40% in viewers. Only we know. And we're like, wow, that's freaking awesome. Okay. High five. The three of us, four of us. Right. No one out there knows. So there's no, where do you get your, are you able to get your, that same kind of feeling when the world doesn't know and isn't celebrating you the way they were before? Well, the world doesn't know, and they definitely aren't celebrating me like I, like from before. I yeah. mean, before I, I, I couldn't walk down the street without someone recognizing me. And now I can go anywhere I want in any restaurant. Um, I'm just a normal dude trying to get a reservation and just want like some nice chicken Parmesan. Okay. Like I'm just that, I'm just that guy. But th I think the one aspect that is changed is this dedication to external versus internal. So yes. Do I still seek out external validation? Of course. Like I'm human, right? That's my ego. Like, and, and, it, and it's an important part of me growing. And I use that as a metric to gauge like my performance in some capacity. But I also believe that internally, it has been instigated in a way where I feel pulled versus being pushed. The, the external pushes you because it's pushing you from behind to say, go there, go this, do this, do that. When you're pulled, you can't even help it. And so you no longer know. And that pulling, by the way, is only when you feel in alignment with some semblance of purpose. The purpose is not 
to satisfy other people's needs and wants and desires for you or the false expectation of such. Rather, the desire is to be pulled towards something that you feel is the most important to your life. Mm -hmm. And it can be simple. It can be like, hey, like I really enjoy doing X, Y, and Z because it puts a smile on X, Y, and Z face. Or I feel like my purpose is because I'm doing something in this entire cog of how this world works, whatever it might be. I think identifying and trying to figure out what that is. It could just be your kids. It could be your family. It could be your loved one. It can be your friends. But having that is a really critical piece to wiping away the noise of things that will delay you from being your best and delay you from showing up fully. Because when you do feel like you've got some semblance of purpose, and by the way, every time I have a conversation like this, it is an affirmation to me that a part of my purpose is to help others find the fire within. And that's all it is for me. Mm -hmm. I, I have all these other jobs I'm doing. I'm in venture, I'm investing, like all this stuff. Great. It's fun. It's amazing. Super, super focused on that stuff. But when I do this, it's a reminder that when I go and talk to the next founder of a startup, I know no matter what technology it is that they're presenting, no matter what software solution that they're giving us, they at some point are still going to have these humanistic qualities that either erode away from their performance and detract or put them into a state of like joy and fulfillment and et cetera. And the whole purpose now is let's get you moving towards that. Let's get you to start. I can't, I have no idea if you are going to get this vision board right this year or not. I have no clue, but I know that unless you start and you begin working on the internal, you're not going to be able to chase whatever it is on the outside. So, um, that that's how it was for me, you know, mm -hmm. as I thought about these things is, 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 yeah, I, I no longer am getting that affirmation. I get it from my, you know, from my internal team at work and yeah, and others, it's different. but, um, it is different. It is different. I wonder, um, I, I really love that some of your contemporaries were vulnerable with you about where they were at, because I feel like that is, um, that is the most important thing is for everybody to be able to be honest with each other and say, yeah, I'm in this place too, because we're better together, right? We can, we can help each other. Um, one of the things that I loved in this book was all the lists. I love lists. And um, the first one that I want to share with people so we can help them kind of go from at least A to B is like, you're in that sunken place, <laughs> whatever is going on, you're in that lost space, whether you lost someone like I did, or you're shifting your, your life and career. Um, you talk about listing your labels and I marked it here. So share with everybody this first practice. It's in the great divorce chapter one. Um, and, um, it's a really cool exercise that I really liked about kind of getting to know you. And, and I think that's super helpful. As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> 
<laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Yeah. And, 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 you know, kind of at the beginning, the middle and the end of every chapter has, um, some patterns that people can have, um, or they can, they, they can figure out like how to navigate this book and use it. So I, I think you're talking about the self inventory practice, right? So it's yeah. Listing your labels. Um, I'm pretty sure, sorry, I read this last night, um, was this when you're attributes and challenges. It's about you. So jot down on a piece of paper, um, things that people know you as, so yeah. your job titles. And then I think the, the second list was who, the things that they don't know about you that you're great at, right? Second list, write down all the roles and labels you identify yourself with. Father of two, avid biker, yeah. Yeah, so look, it, the list in the process is really... Um, it's designed to have and stimulate a conversation around how you think of yourself, how you think of others, and then how others, your close circle, think of you. And I think you'd be quite surprised. I'll give you an example. Um, I'm getting all these requests to have me join other teams and other firms across the U.S. In what and way? In my head, um, like they want me to leave my current position and join someone else. Okay. And I'm like, why are they like, what do they see in me? And I'll ask my close friends and I'm like, oh, 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 I'll tell you exactly what they see. And it often is not what I would have written down. And so the purpose of the exercise is, is to kind of identify what are some of the positive attributes that you have in your life that you feel are uniquely designed for you and that you've been able to curate. And then what are some things that maybe um, are less than ideal? right? Um, and some of mine, and I'll, I'll give you some of mine, right? Like I've got a strong work ethic. I feel grateful. Um, I, I kind of practice that gratitude often. Um, I'm mentally tough. I'm loyal. I'm curious. I'm very analytical. Things that I'd like to change is this like weird nagging fear of failure in the back of my head. I'm, I'm often impatient because I, because, you know, I was a speed skater. So conditioned <laughs> to like, I think like 40 second cycles, right? I want the results today. Um, I get obsessive, which is, can be positive and negative, right? Um, I'm and I'm often driven by external expectations, right? Like this false belief that the world expects me to be in a certain place when yes. they don't really even care. <laughs> they don't even know. They're not even They're thinking even about you, but that's our ego. That's the ego. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like the, the FOPO, you know, that, which is kind of in the same line. So the purpose of this is as like everyone starts upon this, like this adventure of, of transformation is, is to really just. I think, you know, two things, right? Accept who you are in your present moment. This is a big part of this process, right? Um, and then you aren't just the sum of the things that you do. We talked about this previously. Um, and those labels that maybe people assign to you who are external, um, whether they're close to you or not, they're just labels, right? And these things can be erased. They can be changed. They can be improved upon, et cetera. Um, and then as you start to look at this list, and this reinvention transition process is never easy. And so when you start to look at the things, both your attributes, the things that you find interesting um, and whatever these like life lessons are in your life, um, start to really understand that um, there's only so much of these things that you can control. 
and that which you cannot, you need to disregard. And so you already actually harness a lot of these existing tools in your arsenal as you go through this transition. You just need to write them down so you can see them. Mm-hmm. And there's something also, and this is like a different conversation, but there's something in the way that like our linguistic and language programming works. And so when we when we see a word, um, when we see fear, when we write the word confident or beautiful, it means slightly different things to each person, depending on your life experience. So this is a really big attribute, right? So understanding what these words are in their inception and how that's derived is actually psychologically a very important part of figuring out what the trigger therapy is to yourself to remind you, okay, Apollo, like you're operating again from that fear of failure or in fear of other people's opinions, right? Oh, you don't Mm -hmm. want to go dance. Oh, you don't want to go sing. Like, dude, who cares? Like, this is like, just go do it. Go do it. Pour the cup out of, of that knowledge you thought that existed and just go do it. And so a lot of this process is like we all struggle for, I think, reflection. We want growth um, and instability uh, and struggle are often opportunities to interact with that natural curiosity of learning and growing, um, having introspection and reflection, and then actually developing a plan for real growth. So a part of that process, again, is surrender to the outcome and accepting, you you have to meet yourself where you are today. But, you know, and some of this is, you know, I'm not a big drinker. I never really drank that much in my life. And so, but I have friends who have been alcoholics and they've gone to Alcoholics Anonymous. And so embedded in the psychology of many um, of these types of programs is this self-acceptance process and actually articulating it out and then owning it, owning it and saying like, I, I am less than there are times when I'm weak. Yes. I'm inconsistent or I have trouble being present, whatever that might be. And when you state those things, then you can begin to say, okay, step two is how do I recalibrate some of that focus? How do I take that in a way that is going to give me a true metric or maybe mechanical means of starting to make improvements, small step by small step. So it's kind of like this, you know, it seems like the book is quite soft. That's how I describe to people. Um, but it's actually quite mechanical in mm-hmm. terms of um, how I'd like them to, to kind of look at things. It's not rigid, but there are steps there. I like surrendering the outcome and just doing it because I think that, you know, my husband always says, less think, more do. Stop being so afraid and stop thinking about what's going to happen. You have no idea what's going to happen, right? When I did Dancing with the Stars, I couldn't put one foot in front of the other. I was a hot mess. Dan- Derek looked at me and he's like, oh, we're screwed. And we made it to the semifinals and I became a dancer. And it was the greatest experience ever. Or I also was like scared of what people would think of me doing the show. Like, is it is it too early to be doing something like this? Should I be waiting yeah. till like I'm older? Anyway, too much thinking. I did it and it was the best thing ever. But if you don't put yourself in those kind of sink or swim situations, you never know what you're made of. So I always tell people that I think living happens in those moments where you're terrified, but you do it anyway. And you don't know, am I going to make it? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. All right. That wasn't so bad. And then you get off over the hill basically. And you're like, you either sank or swam, or you just got through either way you did something and you challenged yourself. And then you can use that for the next challenge, that energy of, okay, I'm familiar with this fear. I'm going to get past it. I'm going to go do this. And then who knows what happens the next time you do that. 
So surrendering the outcome is really important. Um, FOPO is really cool. Um, I marked it in here because I was like, oh my gosh, this is so great. Um, You said, what I'm pointing out is that in my pursuit for a new identity, uh, is that my pursuit for a new identity didn't have the healthiest start. It was reactionary, ego-driven, and fueled by FOPO, fear of other people's opinions. Um, What were some of the things you were afraid of at that time? and worried about what people would think. I, you know, I was, I was really concerned that I didn't want to be a statistic of an Olympic athlete who had all the success and then fell down the mountain and had to start over and basically failed. I just wanted to keep going higher and higher and higher. Um, so that like that, that drove me to chase things and chase opportunities, uh, that probably I, I, I didn't need to because I was chasing them for the wrong reasons, Mm -hmm. not because I found them interesting or fulfilling, but because it was quite opportunistic, um, in in its, in its, in its process. So, you know, a lot of that was coming to terms that Apollo, you actually don't live in a glass bowl. And if you do, um, it's time to get out of that glass bowl and operate regardless of whether you feel like you're in there or not. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I, I was never a mega celebrity in Hollywood, right? Like I can only imagine if you can't leave your house like that, that's crazy. That seems really yeah. tough. But some of them, they just, they just, they go get gas, they go do their own thing. Mm-hmm. They, you know, like these things have to occur or you start to alter the reality of what is really happening. And your perception of what's happening is your actual reality. That's how you communicate it with mm-hmm. yourself. So, you know, just to go back, um, I just want to say this one quote because you talked about kind of you know being thrown into the deep end sometimes. Um, and the quote on chapter three, I think is really important. Um, uh, to be fully alive, fully human and completely awake is to be continually thrown out of the nest. That means going beyond the comfort zone, Mm -hmm. like that warm, comfortable space that like is, is secure and safe. The only way for growth to occur is actually when you're facing hard stuff and hard things. And so I think when you can cognitively attach to that idea, it allows you to not just brace for the impact that is the volatility to come, but you can actually embrace the hard pivot and the change that you know is inevitable. Yep. It is a part of life. Um, and one tactic, you know, we don't dive too much into this in the book, but around people who, who are often um, operating from a real state of fear is actually called fear setting. And fear setting is just effectively writing down what could go wrong. What's the worst that could actually happen? Right. And sometimes the worst is pretty bad, but like for the most part, you know, I think Mark Twain said it best. And he said, like, I have lived, um, a a life of many fears and upsets, some of which have happened. Exactly. Like, uh, like, you know, like most of the time, like we operate from this state of like, complete failure. Like, just don't worry about it. I like, know. It's not, well, we had, we had Dr. Eamon on the show. What was the percentage? You said like 98% of the shit we worry about never even happens. Yeah. And then Brian too. Brian catastrophizing. Yeah. Catastrophizing. I'm so good at catastrophizing. Oh my God. I could win a gold medal, but, <laughs> but the point is none of it really happens. And we're always like, I got blood work the other day and I'm like, Oh my God. And I've been catastrophizing instantly. And then my doctor goes, no, your levels came down significantly. Did you look at your past results. I'm like, Oh, (laughs) but you know, we have to, I think writing it down is such a smart idea because then if you can take that list to someone and you talk about having your, um, your starting five, 
but your starting five could be for your health too. It's like, go over to your starting five and be like, guys, I need some help with this. I'm losing my shit. I think I'm probably going to die. I have all these issues. And then someone will say, hold up. Okay. Let me get, let me get this straight for you. I do that for Kelsey. Kelsey will do it for me. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, But I think it's, I think, you know, we're so good at that. But the other thing that I want to point out is what I've seen in these last five years as I've, you know, made my pivots and I've had a few of them um, is that I see when the shit storm is coming or I'm in the middle of it, I'm able to be aware now because I'm old enough now to say, ah, all right, fuck, we're in another growth sprout. Shit. All right, here we go. Got to go through it. But a lot of people don't see it like that, right? Like I, I've done my training at Tony Robbins and and done all that stuff, self-help stuff where I know that life is happening for me, not to me. So Mm -hmm. I'm able to see when shit's happening, even though it sucks and it's painful and I can catastrophize and I can be in bed crying or whatever it is. I know it's my next level. I look at life like a video game sometimes. So I'm like, Oh, okay, I'm going to the next level, but I got to get through this game through this level to get there. Um, a lot of people will stay in victim mode and then the pattern just continues until you get it right and do it. Um, so I think it's like, I I think one important thing to point out is like being really aware that when these things are happening, they are happening for you. It's a good tool. I mean, there have been a few examples where I'm like, oh no, 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 this doesn't apply. What is happening to you is absolutely horrific and there are just no words and other than I'm sorry, what can I do to help? But I think in most situations I was able to apply it to my mom and I getting brain tumors. So I think that from personal experience, I can say that it's pretty applicable and it's, it's really helpful because it will help you navigate those kind of stormy seas and, and get to the other side. Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. Um, one of the other lists, uh, the starting five, I want you to talk about for people mm-hmm. here. Yeah, starting five, um, <clears throat> the original uh, idea actually came through um, an idea that I saw amongst my friends who ran very large public companies. And on all these, all of these large public companies, like mega multinational companies, they have a board of directors. And I asked them, like, what is the sweet spot for the board of directors? Some people have 14, some people have five, some people have two, like, What's the purpose here? And what I found to be the commonality was the intention be having, by having these board of directors in business is to give you honest, open feedback from people who have experience. They have a view, but they have the best interests of the company in mind. And they want you to take that advice and apply it in a way that will help everyone in that organization. Now, your life is actually quite similar. You should be surrounding yourself with the types of people that have your back, that keep you grounded, but aren't afraid. You don't want yes men and yes women around you. You need people who can actually, and some people, it's, not, it's okay to have some, but like you want to have some people who can say, hey, no, I, you're getting back into that state again, or they push back. Really, really important. And that helps keep you centered, keeps you grounded. Um, and it also keeps you on track, right? You need a trust circle. It doesn't have to be five people. I, I just use personal five because I think that's the sweet spot, but it really is around like if you can just find one person that you feel you can trust and vice versa, 
it's really important, mm-hmm. right? And having these regular check-ins with these people. And I have them. Like I, I, I have one tonight with a friend um, that I haven't talked to in about a month um, because I've got some things that are actually happening. And I, I just, I think it's really important that if you seek and demand a change in your life, you can't assume that by doing the same thing over and over, you're going to achieve a different result. And I think Einstein defines that as like the actual equation for insanity, mm-hmm. doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So I, I you know, I just, I want people to find um, and seek out the mentorship there. People want to help. This is something that is commonly misunderstood. And yes, people are busy. Yes, they've got their own things that are happening. Um, and you just need to find who those people are, even if it's a couple of words at work every few weeks. People want to help because that recip- that reciprocation, that that edification of someone's skill set to listen, there's something very human about that. And so I, you know, I really urge people to find out what that personal board of directors looks like for them. And implement that. And to me, it can be a game changer. When I change the personal board of directors, and sometimes they change. Um, <clears throat> Maria, I got to tell you, like my life started changing very quickly. Mm-hmm. How often do you realized, reach out to them? Like, like, is there like a, a set thing where you're like, okay, every decision I go to all five and present, like, do you have a, a thing you do with them? No, I, th- I think the decision thing is probably no more than three. So what you want is you want a, a, a team of three people who you would consider to be experts, right? And then you would want to basically get an opinion from those experts in some capacity. So, you know, if it's a new job or it's a new opportunity, or you're thinking about leaving your job, um, who are those people to discuss? What are some of the pros and cons? What are some of the things that you deem to be important? And some of these people don't need to be deeply rooted in business. They could be someone who thinks about this from a philosophical perspective and says, Apollo, don't chase the green, don't chase the money, chase something that you feel is going to be sustainably accurate for alignment with what you believe your strengths to be and how it'll give you the most amount of happiness, because you can't replace that with just piling more money on. You're mm-hmm. just going to be more busy and more bit more miserable with a larger bank account. So again, yes. I'm not saying that having money doesn't solve anything. Of course it does. But I think just having that thoughtfulness from the people around you is a critical piece. Well, I also think it's different for everybody, right? if money is important in your life right now, then that's what you're going to focus on. Or if somebody is, everybody's in different stages in different places. So different advice applies, but I like that. And I'm realizing I, I've kind of been in my own little hole. I don't think I've had my starting five. I think I need to create my starting five and start. I mean, I have a lot of great people around me. That's for sure. But I like kind of saying, you know, I'm going to create my board of directors and I'm going to, you know, go to, I used to do what I used to do. This is fun. Um, I used to put team dinners together um, once a year with my agents and all my reps, my publicists, and I'd have everyone come together and I'd have the agenda. Here's what we're going after this year. Here's what we want to do. What can all of you kind of add to this? And so I used to do all of those. And then once my mom got sick, everything kind of just shifted because my whole focus went on to her. Um, but now I think that this was very timely. I think I have to create my starting five. Yeah. I mean, and that accountability is actually really, really, it's really nice to have, um, you know, when you hire, if someone hires a trainer, a physical trainer to take them through workouts, you feel responsible. There's accountability to show up. 
and do those reps and do whatever it is that needs to be done. Well, your life doesn't have to be only relegated to the gym. It can be everything. It can yeah. be finances. It can be career. It can be love. It can be whatever that, that the conversation is. You want to be able to have those conversations openly and transparently. Um, and then have that kind of meritocracy, so to speak, with how people can find the best possible opinion, right? Everyone kind of gives their view and then it's up to you to extrapolate from that what the best path is for yourself because they can't tell you what to do. They can just Mm -hmm. show you what they think you should do. Yeah. Well, I also like for the show and for everyone who listens, um, you know, even for your health, I think maybe even most importantly for your health because a lot of people have such a hard time when it comes to them, right? For me, I'm such a good caretaker and I'm really good at health for everybody else. Now it's coming to me. I'm like, oh God, all right, I guess I'll get a second opinion. I got to listen to what I say. And I remember reading in here, you're like, sometimes I have a hard time following my own advice, which I think we all have, but I'm pushing myself to do those things for myself. It's just harder for you. But even having a board of directors for when things come up, to have somebody say, well, have you considered this? Have you considered that? Because when you're only doing it in your own head, whatever it is, it's not as good as with some other people, which is why we are better together yet again. So yeah, now I'm very inspired. That's, that's absolutely true. Um, I, you know, I, I suggest almost quarterly checkups, but you know, biannual is fine. Twice a yeah. year is okay. Well, um, and also people to keep you accountable, like you said, right? I've always, um, I think Tony said, uh, the quality of your life is directly um, connected to the expectations of your peer group. And yep. so you have to have people who are expecting higher things and bigger things of you pushing you in all of these areas. So um, I love that for that. Kelsey, I know there was one list that you were really excited about going over, or it could be something else. I want to make sure you get a question in. You know what I want to know that's actually kind of going off? Apollo, what do you do? Do you have any like daily non-negotiables for you and like your mental health or just keeping yourself in check? Yeah, working out exercise is pretty much a non-negotiable. even when I feel like I don't have time, I, I squeeze 20 minutes in if I can. And, and a part of that is because I, I just, I operate differently when I get that rush of chemicals that come into my body from my brain. It gets, mm-hmm. um, I think better. I move better. I sleep better. And th- there's these four fundamental pillars that I think are, are, they're not all non-negotiables, but what I start to see when one falter is, is like this cascading effect. That's like a downward spiral. And so the four pillars that are really important are how am I sleeping? How am I eating? How am I moving? And how am I thinking? Right. Um, and there's a fifth one, which is probably like, how are you like interacting? Meaning like community. I think community is a big part of that. Like how are you socializing? Mm. Cause you can live alone and do those four things really well and still feel very empty unless you're having some interaction. So I think it's like four core principles with the fifth being um, you really want to keep that social circle quite strong. Um, or at least having one or two people that you can lean on. So how are you sleeping? Look, I, you know, my, when my dad used to wake me up at three 30 in the morning, I don't think we knew anything about having less sleep was probably not good for the brain. And the body. <laughs> um, we just did not know. So, but I, I noticed considerable differences in my mood, in my empathy, in my patience, mm-hmm. in my drive, like my belief of like, yes, yes, I can do this. When I'm like super tired and I've been like abusing caffeine and I'm like staying up super late, waking up super early, I can't sleep right. Everything seems harder. 
It's harder to go to the gym. Yep. Gym is actually harder. It's harder to make better decisions in terms of food. And by the way, all this stuff is chemically related. And we can talk about that later, but um, they're all chemically related, right? Like when you don't get enough sleep, the ghrelin hormone is signaling to your brain from your stomach that you're hungry, even when you're not. It's telling, it's sending you signals to eat carbohydrates, and eat sugar when you don't actually need it. It's sending these false signals because everything is out of whack. And so we, we live on these cycles. Um, and, you know, like, how are you moving? That's just, are you exercising? Uh, and how, you know, how are you thinking? Um, you know, it's like, what is the conversation that you're having with yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you having positive affirmations? Um, and that are just like, not just noise, but actually you can deeply feel them. Like I write down in my journal every morning, I had wrote down this morning too, some things that I strive to be that I want, right? You want to glow. You want to be able to speak well to people. You want to inspire people. You want to be efficient today. You want to eat clean today, whatever these like goals might be. Okay. Um, and the, and then, and then the last one is, is, you know, how are you eating? You know, like, what are you eating and drinking on a daily basis? And so, I just, I think we start to know so much more. I think you mentioned Dr. Amen, Dr. Daniel Amen. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, His work has been phenomenal. Um, I think we spoke on a panel like 10 years ago when he just released like one of his books um, and was fascinated by the work that he does. I think it's in San Diego, right? Yeah. Uh, And so like his correlation between all these activities that are happening in real time, they actually affect many of these metrics that you want in terms of goals and achievements. But if you're like, if I'm falling off the wag with my diet and sleep or my movement, or maybe even the way that I'm thinking about myself, it's like trying to balance a table that's missing a leg. It's just always going to be very wobbly and it's hard to get that stability. So it doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be thoughtful, really, really important, right? We're not striving for perfection we're striving for progress here. And progress is the small incremental changes done consistently over time mm. to yield the greatest compounding return over that duration of 6, 12, 36 months. I like that. Yeah. I think once you start to kind of feel yourself uh, getting crabby and just not feeling well, if you go back to these pillars, mm. um, I really like listing them out like that. I'm going to write them down just to remind myself and keep it on my mirror in my bathroom. But, you know, I know for myself, I went to bed early again last night. I got up, I worked out, I feel amazing. Right. So it's when you're doing the things, everything's going well. And then when you stop, it's so hard to get back in. Like I really had to get right up this morning. I'm like, get up, bitch, go to the (laughs) gym and let's do this. And I feel better. So it's like, you just have to push yourself to stay consistent. And when you aren't consistent, really push yourself harder. But I like those pillars. Those are really important. And I can see. And like, and don't give yourself a vote in the morning. Like that's why writing this stuff down is important Think You know, like we all like back in the day, like I'm old school. Right. So like I used to have a grocery list before. Right. And I was like, okay, check, check, check. <laughs> I right? love like, lists. I swear. That's why I love the book. I'm like, he's yeah. got lists everywhere. This is perfect. Because, because lists is inherently designed in our educational upbringing. Mm-hmm. And so we literally categorically go down the list. Like it's embedded into our DNA. This is almost hardwired without the list. You will forget yep. or talk yourself out of, or give yourself another chance. Don't give that voice a vote. Cause the night before, when you made that list, the list said step one, step two, step three, step four. And unless like some weird circumstance happens where it takes you out of that game, assuming that doesn't happen, just do it. 
get it done. Don't think about what the outfit's going to be. Just go, go run, go to the gym, yeah. eat that thing, whatever it is. <laughs> just, just make it happen, you know? I love it. Um, Apollo, this has been so great. Uh, for everybody who is listening or watching, the book is called Hard Pivot. It is a quick, amazing read, life-changing, very, very full of so many great tips and tools to help you. Um, We started with your quote, by the way, that we've been conditioned to think about our identity in terms of what's printed on our business cards, what we do instead of who we are. And I really have to say, I love that quote and I love what you're doing and congratulations because you're doing um, very purposeful, great work. Thank you. You're Super welcome. good to see you. Nice to Great. see you too. So nice to chat. Love, love, love. I love listing your labels, what really people think good. you are or what, what your accolades are or what your achievements are and then what you know you are. Um, I love FOPO. Hmm. Um, I love your starting five. I'm going to create my starting five now. I'm I very like excited. Um, and I am very excited about the four or five... Um, pillars. That's, I loved that too. And I think I'm with you. I'm going to write it on my mirror because even the last couple of weeks I've been like, ah! and it's like, okay, go through. How are we sleeping? Not great. Okay. It's adding to this, how we eat. Like, it's just like, it's an easy thing to go back to, to like, just kind of put yourself back in alignment. Yeah. You can go through and check. So have you done any working out lately? Walk. I've been walking like crazy i will say oh, that's good oh my gosh apartment hunting <laughs> oh well yeah i've walked probably like at least five miles saturday and sunday okay. it was crazy So you've been moving that's i've good. been moving but right. it was funny even i did notice i slept better when i moved even though it was like not an intentional really moving mm-hmm. but it, it all like you said it all circles together and i know i'm a big one where it's like if i don't sleep then I crave sugar. I crave carbs. I crave, you know, we need that quick fix for energy. Yeah. So anyways, I really, really liked that. And I like that. Yep. Listing your labels, self inventory list, surrendering to the outcome, fear setting. I loved fears. It was all so good. I know. So he's great. Good. He's really great. I think he's perfect for our heel squad. So if you guys loved this interview, share below in the comments, uh, let us know for anybody who's listening on Apple Podcasts. Hope you're having a great hike or hope today's going great so far. Uh, let us know what you think about this interview. Also, what you think about the show. Um, we'll put a link to um, leave a review in the summary of this. And um, if you haven't checked out mariamenunos.com, our website is up. We are making some adjustments always. We have our meeting today, actually. Yes, we do. With uh, Forward Female and Priscilla to um, upgrade our shop page and make it even better. So uh, if you don't know, I have all of my favorites there. Uh, Everything that I use is on there. So you can freely shop knowing that I 1 billion percent am behind everything on that page. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's it. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Help us out. We want to get this to as many people as possible. And in the meantime, be nice people, make good choices, happy April, and be (laughs) present. (laughs) This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menounos or mariamenounos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. 
Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions.